Brokenness is broken in peace. Being crushed is like powder. You can just reflect for a moment in your own lives. I'm sure we have a lot of different seasons where we have been completely floored, completely crushed, at our wit's end. We don't know what to do. And it shakes us visibly, mentally, emotionally, physically, every way, relationally. Now we think, I can't take this anymore. I need to get out of here. But if the Lord is in our lives, He knows how to pull everything back together. We've got to trust Him. We heard in the worship, our God, He's seated on the throne, fighting for His own, crushing all our foes, Jehovah Nisi. Our God, He's seated on the throne, fighting for His own, crushing all our foes, because our foes become his foes, and vice versa. Jehovah Nisi. That crushing to bring us victory will only come to us, this is the connection, if we ourselves are crushed. Many people don't know that. They say Jesus paid it all. He died for the whole world. But how to get near him and get that victory through all our pain? They don't realize. The Bible says here in Psalm 34, just like Isaiah 55, 4. He was crushed, broken, not crushed to powder. We must be broken and crushed like powder. Why? Because the old nature, the self-confidence, self-reliance, and all that we're used to thinking we can do, must be decimated, completely crushed. Only when that's come to like powder, can God's power come down on us. Jesus had no sin, but he was broken and bruised so that we can have life. He was in Christ like powder. In his human body, he was broken. He was beaten. He was crucified. His flesh was torn. That's another definition of broken. Torn. But, in our case, God says, you need to be broken too. But also, you need to have no stock in your own flesh any longer if you want the Spirit of God from me to come down on you powerfully. That's how we get the Spirit of God, to help us overcome temptation. Temptations of all sorts, not just the common things we hear, drinking and drugs and immorality. Temptation to run out of a situation because it's too much for us to handle. When we know God has put us there. People who take jobs, they can't take the heat. They want to run out. Meanwhile, God is trying to develop them to overcome right then and there through His power. People who are in, mar- in, a, in a marriage or, or in a family situation, they want to say, you take the child. And He says, you take the child. And she, vice versa. Nobody wants to take what? That which is inconvenient to me. Right from the womb. This is in- inconvenience. So let's just kind of marginalize it. They take it out of lives. It was an accident. There's no accident when human life is formed. God has the ability to cause every person to be redeemed back to the original plan. Redeemed back to the original blueprint. That's the hope of God. We think to ourselves, how do you say that to somebody who is mentally tormented? Parents who have to be torn day and night with physical pain, emotional trauma, 
and they can't get anything done, and everything's on hold, and it piles up and piles up and piles up. We've been there. Many of you in your own way have been there. When you have such pain, God is saying, keep your eyes on me. This crushing is not going to destroy you. This crushing is going to build you stronger than ever, brand new, because when you're broken and crushed like that, and you can't do anything about it, and you look to me, that's the key. There are people who say, I just had a car accident. Car is total, I don't know what I'm going to do, I don't have insurance, I don't have enough. And then they think, I also have injuries. What am I going to say to the job? And people are depending on me. They're getting crushed into a corner. But you know what? People all over the world, in every phase of life, something comes to crush them. The problem is, majority of the world, they don't know when you get crushed, you need to turn to Christ. You need to turn to the Savior and say, Lord, what are you planning in this moment? Lord, help me. I need you. But please show me what you're up to. The world gets crushed. But they go after an easy route, which is escapism, which is the blame game. And this is the devil's trick over and over and over again. But we who know the Lord, whenever we're pressed into a corner, we need to immediately say, Father, what's going on? Lord, help me to understand what you're up to. God promises that he will turn our sorrow into joy. How long that will take, we don't always know. But we know that the one who promised is trustworthy. Brokenness, to be broken in pieces. Life situations. But also, demonic oppression. Satan comes and assaults the believer's mind and says, you are done. You're no good. You can't possibly become perfect the way God wants you to be because you have a big disadvantage. And he'll list it from A to Z. But we must turn our attention to the Lord and say, Lord, but I'm standing on your word. Not the devil's lie and not what I feel. I choose to stand on your word. And you know what happens? The more we begin to practice that, and the greater the crushing happens, be able to stand through it. One day, God will say to Satan, get away, this person's through. I have allowed you, in God's sovereignty, he's perfect and full of love. Just like with Job, Satan came and said, God, the reason Job is so worshipy of you, worshipping you all the time, is because you have built a fence around him and I can't touch him. I guarantee you, the man that's prospering, he's so confident, everybody respects him, he's sitting on top of the world, you remove a part of that fence, or take that fence away. Let him lose something in his life. Watch what he's going to do. Satan said he's going to curse you to your face. What happened? All his children gone. All his children gone in a devastating way. And then, before that, actually his cattle, basically his wealth, his family, just about, and then his own body. He had this terrible disease. He was at the bottom of the ladder, of the well, the pit. Every time the devil tried to make him curse God, and even his wife, 
thought, you know, maybe I can relieve his suffering. This is getting ridiculous. He's going down more and more. And let's just end it all. People think that when they die or they pull the plug, they're ending it all. If they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're just beginning more misery. That's the truth. Same thing with suicide. Job wouldn't commit suicide. He wouldn't curse God and bring his wrath on him. He wouldn't listen to the devil. He wouldn't listen to anybody. God said, Satan, you pulled out all the stops and you got all of your demons against my beloved child. But he still holds fast his integrity. To the point where Job said, with all of these voices, demons, day and night, you're going to die, your wife's going to leave you, your family's gone, nobody respects you, the people who would bow before you on the street, they're spitting in your face, you're nothing, God has left you, curse him and be done. You know what he said when he heard all those demons? He said, though God were to kill me, yet will I still trust him. For I know that my Redeemer lives and that He will stand on the earth on the latter day. And my own eyes, He said, these eyes are going to see my Redeemer right there. Hallelujah. These eyes, nobody else's. Satan put the pressure on him, tried to crush him. But the crushing that he experienced was a divine crushing. And that's what I want to bring attention to today. Whatever happens in our lives, as long as we're near to the Lord... We watch out for pride, self-reliance, material gain, image, all of these things. We keep a close eye on those things and say, I'm not letting this in anymore. This was the reason for my downfall before. God redeemed me from that pit. And when the devil attacks me because I'm doing the right thing now, he's attacking me more than ever. I will hold fast to my integrity because... This crushing now is from God's hand, and I know. When he allows the crushing to happen, it's not to crush me, the new me. It's to crush the old me. Any vestige of that self-reliance, independent spirit, pride, evil desires, God is so good. He won't be content for us walking two-facedly. He doesn't want us to be part Christian and part non-Christian. He says, I want you to experience my full life. For that to happen, I've got to crush some things in your life. That crushing is what God is up to. That's the connection to Psalm 34. The Lord is near to those who are of a broken heart. That means their heart is not welded with pride. You know, when somebody gets a gift or they land a job or a promotion or they got the car that they always wanted, whatever it is, people have a tendency to get excited, which is normal, to be shocked sometimes, which is normal, but then they have a tendency to start taking the credit or give the credit to somebody else other than God. That's a dangerous place to be in. The more we walk with God, the more we'll be instant to say, praise God. doesn't matter who's listening, Christian or not. Our heart knows, without God, I'm nothing. People think, I go to school, I work, and whatever, I've achieved this. Without God, we cannot breathe. There are people who are highly intellectual, scientists. They're flat, 
prostrate on their back. They have a robotic voice machine. You can hear their breathing and not even their own voice. Very intellectual people. They can't get up. They're at the mercy of other people. So all that learning, could that really save them? No. That's a graphic illustration right there. So the sooner we realize, Lord, you have allowed things to happen in my life to get my attention. But I know that I don't need to wait for things to happen anymore. I'm going to myself get closer to you. Lord, I'm going to hasten to get closer to you. Very briefly, crushing brokenness, which God is looking for, which God will allow, which we need to cooperate with God to get the end result, which is to be built up in His strength, His power. That is the pathway to participate in salvation, number one. Secondly, only if I'm truly broken and crushed in my spirit will I be on the pathway to spiritual progress to be more sanctified. Thirdly, only if I'm truly broken will I ever have the ability to prosper in all areas of my life. I'm going to give you the scriptures for that. Fourthly, only if I'm broken, really broken, where I'm humble before God and I look to the living God for every move. No more independence. Depend upon God in my day-to-day life. Only then will I be able to have a placement in the kingdom of God. In other words, the call that God has in my life, the high call, not the job and the career and the hobby and the training and you know what seems to work and get me money and get me a name and I do evangelize. No, I'm talking about the specific call for you in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be a pastor, prophet, evangelist, apostle, teacher. It may be gift of helps. It may be gifts of mercy. It may be administration. Gifts that are outlined in at least three places in the New Testament. Specific gifts that God has for every believer. Do you know how many believers don't even know that? They think my job, my career, is where God has me, so that's it. They don't know that God is forming something much greater for us to impact the world by being placed in the body of Christ. That's the fourth thing. Brokenness will lead us to placement in the army of God to get the training to fight the powers of darkness. Nobody gets to God's army without being broken. So it behooves us to know and understand, Lord, what do you mean by being broken? I know when I go to a, a, a difficult time, I start weeping sometimes and I cry. We can say that. I do feel crushed. But what's the result of it? If it's of God and we understand and we cooperate with God, we're going to come out stronger spiritually. But if it's not from God, when we get bailed out of that situation, we'll be the same person on the inside. And we have to go through another thing. You know why God keeps doing that? Because He loves us. If He will not discipline His own, the Bible says you're illegitimate children. But God disciplines the people He loves. And there are various ways. And the word discipline is not just to punish. It's also instruction. That's the original word. Instruction. Pedia. Pedagogy. Pedagogical. Teaching. Training. God is not about punishment. He's about training us to be just like Jesus. But it will never happen until He takes the old nature out completely. 
And he says, yes, you crucify the old nature, but I'm going to engineer situations so that you know that I'm very involved. You just cooperate with me. When you're down and out, cry to me, I'll hear you. When you're down to your last strand of hope, look up, your redemption draws nigh. God has a way, not just to give us some kind of legendary or poetic kind of, you know, people feel good, they go to a march, they rally, they go to a lecture, they go to a motivational seminar, they go to a political rally, even educational. People's emotions can get riled up. You know how many people among those people who are emotionally affected go to heaven? Very, very small. Just because we're riled up and we're positively boosted and we think, you know, I can go and do this now, doesn't mean we're going to go to heaven. But when my emotions are peaked, the Spirit of God is working, there's a decision that I make. There's a decision. I'm, I'm, I'm broken. And I say, Lord, I don't want to be jealous anymore, Lord. These things that I haven't noticed lately. Or Lord, I don't want to lose my temper. When a person is easily irritated, that means the flesh is alive and well. God says, you cannot serve in my army. You can join a church. You can be on the board in a church. You can even preach and be the pastor. Before God, you're not fit for his army. If you're easily irritable, if you are resentful, if you hate, if you are self-centered, you love pleasure more than pleasing God, God says you're not fit to be in my army. Because if I put you in my army, you're going to corrupt the rest of the army and be a casualty. Because Satan spots every weakness. Isn't God good? He doesn't just draft us and say, go in there, go fight. If you get shot and killed, well, thank you for dying for your country. No. God says, I'm going to make you invincible. Have you ever heard God say, I have formed a Christian, I have trained a soldier so he can go out and get killed? So he can be, he can be wounded and come home crying? No. You know why? Because Christ is indestructible. When Jesus lives inside of us, when he sees the brokenness, he builds us up to his level. There's a formation. The point is, if I don't realize these things, and I don't exploit in a good sense, take advantage of the opportunity, when I'm in a tough spot, not just cry a prayer, God help me, but God, form me. Lord, like the diamond that's crushed, the native carbon that is beautifully formed into a diamond with tremendous pressure, tremendous heat. But that beautiful jewel comes out. What if that carbon said, I don't like the heat, I don't like the pressure, I need to go where there's a shade? It'll always be a carbon. We need to know God is forming something. We need to cooperate with God. When God says, I don't want to see the old flesh anymore, because it's going to destroy you and other people. I've given you a new spirit. Let's focus on that and develop that. And we say, Father, I can see now. That's what I want. I want Christ to be completely in me, Lord. I know there are more things that need to be chipped away, Lord. But you know what? I'm going to be proactive in this. Whatever instruction you give me, Lord, I'm going to go through the trial, looking at you, making sure I don't take a misstep like I used to do before. How? Fighting. Resentfulness. Vengeance, bitterness, jealousies, envyings, wrath, all of those works of the flesh in Galatians 5. God is saying, I want that removed. 
And then God will place us in his army. Fifthly and finally, God means to perfect us ultimately forever and ever with Christ. None of these five things from the word of God, you see, will ever occur. Not the participation in salvation, because when we came to Christ, we had to be broken, right? Nobody comes to Christ saying, Lord, I have something to offer. Can you just enhance this so I can be saved? No. We come broken. We say, you're the Savior, not me. I need to be completely leveled, Lord, to know at the foot of the cross, not the top of the cross, not the middle of the cross, at the foot of the cross, I come humbly kneeling before him. I say, Lord, save me. Just to participate in salvation, I need to be broken. I need to be crushed. But then if I want to go on, a lot of believers are at the very baby stage. God loves babies. But he wants the baby to develop, just like any human being. That baby stage, in Hebrews 5, it says this, the time that you ought to be teachers, you need milk still? You still need milk? You know why? Because you haven't employed the ability I've given you to discern between right and wrong with every situation that comes to you. You're not practicing it. You're not doing it. Therefore, you're still babies. These are real Christians, but they're babies. So, they act just like the world. When the weather changes, they're also grumpy like the world. When the economy falls, they also start pre predicting failure, just like the world. Or you may have another type of Christian who recognizes, you know what, I should talk a little different. They may talk with zeal, but deep down inside, they're just like that. But then you have a Christian who has been exercising the discernment that this word that's coming from the public, my friend, my neighbor, even my family at times, it's not God's word. See, I'm discerning. We shouldn't be like a person who's watching TV, passively, just letting life happen and then go with wherever the wind goes. We need to wait a minute. Just like we're very careful when we go to the store. Somebody tries to sell you something overpriced, double the price, you're going to be keen on that. You don't want to lose your money. And you may investigate to a very great detail. What about your soul? Hebrews 5, the apostle writes, the person that exercises discernment to evaluate every single thing in their life. Very easy. Lord, do you approve of this? If yes, I'm going with it. If no, I'm dropping it. I don't care what I lose. God's not pleased with me with this. I'm dropping it. That's how we exercise discernment. That's how you mature. and You become strong to be able to strengthen other people. So progress in sanctification, the second one, when we have that brokenness and crushed spirit, that means we're depending upon God's spirit to help us. Faith is really strong. That Lord, even though I failed in this area, some people are thinking, you know what? Immorality was something that was big in my past. And every now and then I get drawn with this cord. I want to tell you something. God wants to cut that cord completely. That doesn't matter what temptation is in front of you. You will spit at it. Nobody could pay you enough to do anything about it. You'll curse it in Jesus' name. There's different levels. There are different levels. There's a person, a Christian, who says, Oh, no, not again. And they fall right into it. And then they have to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. I didn't want to do it. Romans chapter 7, the thing that I want to do, I end up doing. And the thing that I don't want to do, I should say, I end up doing the thing that I want to do, I don't do. They don't go to Romans 8. 
God says, sin shall not have dominion over you, period. In the early chapters of Romans. In Romans 8, it says, whoever walks after the flesh will die, and that word die is not physically, because everybody dies physically. God says the Spirit of God is recording this. Any Christian who lives after the flesh will lose their salvation, period. What does it mean then? What does it mean if it says, if you walk after the flesh, you shall die, and then, but if through the Spirit of God, you put to death the deeds of the body, you live, what could it mean? Not physical life? Many people are alive physically. Christians are alive physically. Everybody dies unless they're raptured. It means a believer to go after the flesh once they've been saved from Sodom and Gomorrah will perish in Sodom and Gomorrah if that's what they really want. God doesn't take a Christian in a headlock and say, now you belong to me, I've branded you, and come with me, even against your will, I'll take you to heaven. It doesn't work that way. It's the devil's lie that makes people think, oh, God's got me, God's got this, not understanding that if I don't have God, the devil's really got me and he's lied to me. That's how he takes people down. Brokenness and being crushed. God, what are you teaching me in this? Father, I'm going to be alert. I'm going to check everything out. And when I go through a trial, I want to know, Lord, what fruit of the Spirit are you trying to produce through this trial? People who trust in themselves, when their finances are shot, some disaster happens, they were trusting in their money. God is breaking them on that very point to tell them, don't trust in money anymore. You cannot love God in money. And you know what? At that moment, that word, rhema word, spoken word, becomes alive. And the person who's alert and understands what God is doing in the midst of this will grab onto that and say, no more. This area where I used to trust the money, it's over. Hallelujah. There are people who can testify right here. They're watching online. There are areas that the devil had a stronghold. And it became a foothold. It became a toehold. Now there's no hold. Hallelujah. Can we testify to that? Whether it's drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, just letting my mind wander, no purpose, God is tightening things up. He's making us, Ephesians chapter 4, fit soldiers in the army of God. So when we advance together, Satan is mowed down every time. Hallelujah. Every machination that he has, every scheme is dismantled because we're walking with the Lord. That's the secret. But how do you get to God? He said, I'll draw near to one type of person. God says, only to one type of person. Same thing in Isaiah 66, he says that. He says, the one who trembles at my word. The one who is broken in spirit, in heart. The one who is contrite in spirit. The one who says, Lord, I don't want to hear any more voices. I just want to hear your voice, Lord. I just want to hear your voice. Because your voice is going to lead me right to heaven. I want to stay in that path. Participation in salvation. Brokenness is the pathway to participation in salvation. Secondly, brokenness is the pathway to progress in sanctification. Because the more I realize I can't do it, and I'm in the Word and praying, God will begin to change me, sanctify me. So my speech, there will be no remnant of the old nature. There be no remnant of the old way of doing things. And somebody says, here's the deal, and I'm strapped for cash. 
and they say, it's not that bad, I already know. When they say it's not that bad, that's not come from God. God doesn't say it's not that bad. It's either good or bad. Satan will come to believers to try to convince them and deceive them, whether it's a relationship, business deal, whatever it is, uh, friendship. To make us convinced that I'm going to meet you down at the middle here. It's not that bad. That's how he invites believers to compromise step by step until they're back where they started. But as we exercise the sermon, we know, if I'm going to progress in sanctification, God wants my cooperation. Thirdly, if I'm going to have this brokenness and I'm already saved, I'm on the sanctification path, Lord, you know what? I'm saved. I know I'm saved. Lord, I know that you have been sanctifying me, Lord. My speech has changed. Lord, my friendships. Lord, the things I watch. Thank you, Lord. But God, would you prosper me? Because I'm still struggling in my finances. God, I'm still struggling with these relationships that I need to mend. I'm getting holy. Thank you, Lord. I'm not doing that wrong stuff. I'm reading the Word. I'm praying. I got saved. I don't want to be a baby. I got to grow. I'm growing. But God, you said you're the God of wonders. Can you come and fix these things, the impossible things? I have to be broken. Long as I say, well, I think I'll fix it and God can help me. He can be my co-pilot. It won't happen. When I say, Lord, you take over the wheel completely. I'm just going to follow you. He'll fix it. He's a miracle-working God. Participation in salvation, progress in sanctification, and then prosperity all around. That's God's heart. Does that mean that the believer who grasps that third point is going to have prosperity all the time where they don't have a trial? No. But God guarantees every trial is going to bring you more prosperity. Who can make such a promise? Every trial a believer goes through will bring more prosperity. Fourth, fourthly, the pathway of brokenness, genuine brokenness before God with tears, spending time alone with God, not just when things are bad. Have you ever wept in God's presence when things were good? As Julie says, happy tears. Not just happy tears, but tears of understanding that God, I need more work. I need you to help me more, Lord. I want to be more Christ-like. The fourth thing, remember, was I want to be placed in God's army. I want to know exactly what He has designed for me. I'm not missing that for anything. Because we can miss that. There will be people who will go to God after they die. And God will show them the blueprint, what He had. Beautiful plan. They would have missed it. Because they didn't understand. And they didn't cooperate. But we have the opportunity today to say, God, you mean if I'm really broken, you come close to me and talk to me and show me things, Lord, reveal things to me, the plan you have for me? Brokenness is the pathway to placement in God's army for His kingdom work. Brokenness is the pathway for placement in God's army, the invincible army, for kingdom work. And remember that God has to train us. If we're not broken, we can't be trained. With all of this behind us, Participation in salvation, progressing in sanctification, and then prospering all around, being placed in God's army. I know exactly what I'm called to do. 100%. I know this is God's will. Thank you, God. I found the will. So many believers don't even know. You ask them, what's God's will? I don't know. What are you doing? 
what I think God's will is. We don't want to be thinking. We want to know what God's will is. And God says, you can know it. Are you broken enough? That's the point. Are you broken enough before God? Fifthly, with all of this, God wants to perfect us till there's not one blemish, one spot, one wrinkle. That we are serving God from the heart, from the spirit, and our joy is nothing more than to do God's will. The food that we eat is to do His will and to finish that work. More than physical food. Job said, the one who was crushed and went through the trial, you know what he said? He said, I esteem your words more than my necessary food. Not my food that I like. He said, the very morsel of bread that I need for human nutrition to have ATP energy in my cells to function, Lord, I actually value the word that you're speaking to me more than even this necessary food. Because I know man does not live by bread only, but by every word that comes from you. He practiced that. Job practiced that in his life. This is what God wants to do. The times when we're crushed, always remember, God is looking to produce a beautiful work in you to produce the fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to be completely well-rounded, invincible, where you are doing God's will. You have His joy, His peace, and all of that pride, bits and pieces of resentment, jealousies, bitterness, bringing the past. That's a clever trick of the devil. He will flash images. He will make voices to come, maybe in the dream, phone calls, letters, meet up with people, because his whole objective is, I want to trick the Christian into coming back to the old way, my camp. And he'll even bring people, have you ever had this? A person that says, I'm a believer too. I love Jesus, hallelujah. And it's okay if you go to the mall dressed like that. We're not legalists, are we? And doesn't matter who's looking at you, that's their problem. Well, if you're attracting undue attention, it is your problem. If you can do something about it. But who would ever think of these things? The Spirit of God will show us. Every decision, everything we do, the devil will send people to say, it's okay, just come and watch this movie. Just come and do this, do that. It's not bad, it's good. As we, remember Hebrews chapter 5, as we exercise discernment, more and more God will help us to know, this pleases God, this does not please God. And as we take a stand and are courteous and polite to everyone else, speak gently, but firmly hold your position, you know what? You'll be pulling that person who's drowning in that up to the solid ground. But if we compromise, we'll be dragged down. God wants to make us strong and fortified. God wants to bless us. He was crushed, bruised for our iniquities, Isaiah 53, 5, 4. And in Psalm 34, 17 and 18, the Lord saves those who are broken, broken in heart and contrite or crushed in spirit. I'll close with this. I can be broken. You can be broken. I can be crushed within me. You can be crushed within you. We understand it's not a bad thing when God is involved because He's doing what? Crushing 
the old nature out. He's just removing that through these trials. You know what? There's another level. I can choose to be broken in God's presence when things are going wonderful. You know what? Job did that. When Job, probably the richest man in the East at that time, he had all the wealth. Everybody saluted him. People bowed. They kissed his hand and everything. He was a good man. He was a noble man. He had the Spirit of God. He had the whole world under him, basically. But you know what with Job? Every day, early in the morning, he would go and sacrifice to God and pray, especially for his children. He said, maybe when my children were having a good time, without their knowledge, they would have cursed God. He said, I'm covering all the bases. You see how broken he was? He didn't think that, you know what, I have people attending to me, I can just snap my fingers, and I can have everything I want, all the food and all the transportation, all the clothing, I have it all. And the pride, so often human beings, you give them a position. Have you seen that in life? I've seen that in church. I've seen that in faith rehab centers. We have ministers to people. Minister to people. I can't tell you how many times it shocked me. They'll come humbly and broken and weeping and say, would you lay hands on me and pray? And they'll be so full of joy because God delivered them and He did things during the service. Within a short time, they're made an intern. Everything changes. We see them oppress the other brothers and sisters. I'm thinking, what happened to you? You forgot where you came from? That's human nature. We are able to detect. We're able to detect if that should ever rise up within us. And if it rises up within us and we don't crush it with God's help, God won't be near us. It'll be a case like Samson, where every day he was going out, slaughtering the Philistines, the enemies. Because he had the anointing. When he started taking things in his own hand, little by little, a little independence from God. God, I know, but I think you'll cover this. I know I'm supposed to be here at this point. This is kingdom work. But I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But I have a whole bunch of voices to cover that ground. And so look, I'm still here. I'm able to worship. Little by little, till Samson became a fool. And he didn't even know the anointing left. When he stepped out of his door one day, he said, I have slaughtered these enemies time and time again. It's just another day for me. I'm going to do it again. The Bible says that day, that child of God, he was a child of God, did not know that the Spirit of God was not with him. He got slaughtered badly. He got put to shame publicly until he was broken. When they put out his eyes, this, this mighty man of God, and they're making mockery of him. They're saying, come on, do a little dance, do a little show for us. And he's just, the brokenness, the crushing is happening inside. He must have been reflecting God. I became the mockery of my enemies. I'm in the enemy camp. They're abusing me. He cried out, Lord. He got to the point where he said, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about what I feel and what I want to do. I recognize, God, would you give me one more chance? This time I'll do it right. And he said, Lord, even if I have to die with the enemies, maybe a place like this, bigger, thousands of people, all the Philistine lords, everybody seated, they're watching this Israelite captive abusing him, the champion, the judge of Israel. We got him right here. 
They're all laughing. They got their drinks and so it's a show. He's in pain. His eyes are burning and he's being taunted. There's emotional pain, physical pain. The devil's saying it's over. But while he gets a hold of one pillar and he asks the little boy, whoever it was, can you show me where the pillar is? I'd like to lean a little bit. He said, Lord, one more tonight. Let me die. It wasn't suicide. It was a heroic last act of faith. Why? He's in the hall of faith. God took it. He repented. He repented. Point is, when he slaughtered more enemies than ever in his lifetime, when he did that last act for God's glory, because these enemies are ruthless, they're immoral, they're evil, they're wicked, they're oppressive. God says, I want to get rid of them. But you know what happened? When he died, he died as a hero before heaven. There are many heroes before man. There are no heroes in the eyes of God. We want to be heroes in the eyes of God. We want to be faithful. Samson got to a place of brokenness, but he had to go through a lot of trouble. But I'm submitting to you today, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, this. We can be broken as much as we want to, anytime, even when things are going fine and wonderful. Just like Job. So knowing all of this background, we should say, Father, if there's one thing I need, I want to be broken in my heart, Lord, contrite in my spirit, Lord, crushed where there's no self-reliance anymore, and Lord, I want to be able to participate fully in your salvation. I want to progress. I want to grow in your sanctification, Lord. I want to prosper in everything in my life, Lord. My relationships, my finances, my evangelism, everything, God. My body. God says He'll do it. And Lord, I want to... I want to be placed exactly where you want me to be in your body so that I fulfill my high calling. You don't want to miss your high calling. I don't want to miss that for anything. I want to have my high calling. Finally, fifthly, Lord, I'm staying on this path of humility and brokenness. You're going to perfect me one day. Beloved, when we step into heaven and we see the face of the Lord Jesus, we have the opportunity now as believers with what we do, with what He's given to us as Christians to be full of joy with no shame. Or, the Bible says, we can actually enter heaven with regret. That's a painful thing. We have the opportunity, just like Samson. He completely flipped the situation because he utterly got crushed inside. Remember, external circumstances can crush any human being. That doesn't mean anything is happening inside. Emotionally, yes, but what's happening spiritually? That's what God is after. Are you broken enough? Ask yourself. Are you broken enough that God can pour His anointing on you? and make you something you never dreamt possible, to walk in victory before the Lord Jesus. Let's stand up. Victory before the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you crushed enough that you never take anything for granted, and you're thankful to the living God? And you say, Father, you say, Father, help me not to miss this beautiful, abundant Christian life. The net result is not just me making it to heaven, passing through the ranks. You know, I went from being a private to be whatever, a major, or to be a lieutenant, or... General, and I've got all the medals, God, here. No. It's so that we can be used by God to be a blessing.
to countless other people. People who are struggling with divorce and they're in misery, lonely, depressed, hitting the bottle, about to die. You can tell them, I know where you've been. I know where you are. You can tell the person who's on drugs or who has a problem with immorality, everywhere they go, they get in trouble. Because you know why? They're under the domination of the evil spirit they open the door to. They want to get free, but they can't. They need deliverance. God can use you to go and say, I know what you're going through. God will give you the power to save you out of this. He has the power. The person who says, I'm trying to follow God, but my finances, they're just drowning me. Sometimes I feel like even committing suicide. Too many bills. Too many kids to take care of. Too many things and obligations and banknotes. And I just want to go to heaven, so I'm going to commit suicide. You can step in and say, wait a minute. You commit suicide, you're not making it to heaven. That's self-murder. There's a better way. God can lift that spirit of suicide that makes you think that you want to do it, but it's really the devil. Separate you from that, restore you, save you, prosper you, and completely transform your life. This is the gospel truth. In these last days, there's a smoke screen. There's a dabbling with the word of God. There are people who will give the people what they want to hear. You know what? The people will come back for more. But there's a minority, there's a remnant who will say to Jeremiah, everybody wants to kill you, they're throwing you in the dungeon, they're saying what's wrong with you, they slapped you, they prophesied you're going to die. Jeremiah's weeping. Everybody, small minority said, Jeremiah's speaking the truth. Guess who won? The minority. Jeremiah and the minority who fear the Lord listened to the truth and said, doesn't matter what, the majority of the Christian world is saying, without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. If Jesus made me holy at the cross, he did. Then why does God go to great lengths to say, you need to crucify the flesh or it will kill you forever. You need to sanctify yourself with what I'm doing in you. Otherwise, you're going to depart from me. How come he says to the people in Matthew chapter 7, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We did miracles. We cast out devils. He say, depart from me, you lawbreakers. You breakers of God's law. Yeah, you're in the camp. You're in the church. But you're breaking my law. You don't care about my word. You're under this blanket covering of lies. Once saved, I'm good to go. No. God says, he that endures to the end, he'll be saved. Matthew 24. When we know this word, initially the devil will say, what is this? This is hard. This is different. This is not popular. But you know what? When you say to the Lord, if I need to reset my whole Christian understanding by your spirit, I'm open. Joy will come in. You'll see victory like you never saw before. And you'll be in a position where you'll fulfill those five things I mentioned. And you'll be able to help so many people who are being slaughtered by that strong man, the devil. And God, Jesus Christ, the stronger one, will come and rescue them. You know, through who? Through you and through me. God is asking you, are you broken enough? I had to ask myself that before God. God is my witness many times. Lord, I need more crushing. I said that many times over the years. Because I know, when I read this word, I know in my conscience, 
I cannot water this word down. I can't dabble with it. I don't care who says what, what degree they have and how big their church is. I can't tamper with the word of God. I want to know, God, what do you want me to do exactly? And then I say this, Lord, I can't do it by myself. But I know through your spirit, I can do everything you told me to do. To the point where I can flip through the scriptures in every command of God, in excess of a thousand commands to Christians in the New Testament, many Christians don't know that. Over Repetitions are there, but thousand commandments in the New Testament. Don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, everything is there. But you know what? The devil's got this hoodwink scheme on Christians. Oh, at the cross, I got it all. I don't have to worry about anything. Because if I sin, God will pick me up. My Bible says, God will pick me up to a certain point. If I keep abusing His grace over and over again, there's a point at which He'll say, no more. It's a dreadful place to be. But God is so good, He gives us the whole scenario up front. The devil is the one who went to the Garden of Eden. You're not going to die. Don't you remember? You came from Adam's side. You're God's child, Eve. You're going to live forever. Don't worry. He lied there and she died that day with Adam spiritually. We're alert to this. Say, Lord, break me. Break me. Brokenness is saying, Lord, no more pride. No more jealousy. No more me. Oh, I got to do this. I got to have this. You need to cut that. When we had that tension come up, I got to have this. It's not a pretty sight. Too many believers I've seen, they think, oh, that piece of chocolate. I was just drooling for that. You know, I, I'm getting a headache. I need to get that. You know, I'm trying to get over this craving. Is that victory? Even in jest, it really happens. Now, God doesn't condemn. I want to be clear on that. God doesn't condemn. He knows where we're at. We don't go to a baby and say, stop crying. You know, the baby's hungry and screaming. But if the baby's 10 years old, you say, you've got to wait a minute. If there's a little cry, I'm not going to give it to you. You've got to wait. Teenager, adult, God deals with us where we are. We can grow. We can grow. We need to say, Lord, I have cravings. I have temptations. Lord, they're talking about chocolate, chocolate. Oh, everything's got to have chocolate. Well, guess what? I had a craving for chocolate. No more. It's been many years, maybe 15 years. I love chocolate. I wish somebody would have preached me like this. I would have said, oh, that's wrong? Everybody has a craving. I mean, everybody has a weak spot, don't they? God's power says in 1 Corinthians 6, nothing has mastery over you. So what I'm saying is, even in jest, even in speech, like we're just joking, kind of halfway, God says, but that's actually saying that I'm getting the fruit. Wrong to have chocolate. God's told me that I don't need it. <laughs> okay. But for you, it may be something else. But whatever it is, you need to say, Lord. And you know what? That's what I said. That's exactly what I said to God about 15 years ago. I had to keep having it. I, I didn't overread it, you know, but I liked it. So what I said to God was, I said, Lord, in His presence I said this. I said, this does not have mastery over me anymore. I said, I have mastery over it. In fact, I have such mastery, I'll never touch it again as long as I live. I wanted to be thorough with that. I'm healthy by God's grace, you know, as anybody could be. 
have energy. So contrary to what the devil might have made me feel, I may die and wither away without chocolate. I'm alive and well. Similarly, it could be food. It could be anything. TV, you know, media. God will give you the victory. And I'm telling you, as you get these little victories, and you discern, okay, this is my opportunity. Now, don't make rash vows. Don't say, Lord, I'll never do this, that again. You need to think it through, whether God wants you to do it. But, this morning the word came to me. If you, in Proverbs, if you be a man or woman, given to appetite, put a sword or a knife to your neck. What? What does that mean? God says, if you don't have mastery over your appetite, he's talking about food, but includes everything else, we can apply it. In other words, if something has a hold on you that i got to have it now, or if I don't have it, I'm going to be all cranky and, you know, you have to say, wait a minute, that is not to be in my life. God said, if you are a slave of appetite, you better put a knife right here so you don't open your mouth and eat. Boundaries and barriers to help you. Why does God go to that length? To show you the deadly nature of giving into your appetite. We can discipline ourselves with the Spirit of God. So we're able to go forward. So brokenness has to do with these things. Self-control. Giving my desires into God's hands. What signal do you think for a Christian leader to get on social media to say, Praise God, I overcame my craving for chocolate this day. For this day. It's a leader. A lady who's a leader. And you have like, 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 heart sign, oh, weeping tears and everything, whatever, to celebrate. You did it for one day. Is that a victory? Can't you see the defeat? Can't you see it's minimizing God's power? I guarantee you the person who doesn't have mastery over food won't have mastery over their tongue, over their other appetites. That's why in 1 Corinthians 6, only two things are mentioned. Sexual immorality and food. Because they have a very strong central effect on the total life. Or we have to have self-control, have mastery over ourselves through the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, Lord, my God. Help us to show believers, Lord, who are struggling that they don't need to struggle. God has given us power. If we tap into that power, if we come near God, we get serious with God. If we study the Word as we should, if we yield ourselves as members to righteousness, not to sin anymore, oh, Jesus, change us. We want to have your prosperity, Lord. We want to show the world that our God is not a pauper. He's not poor. He will bless the people who love Him. And Father, we know in this church, miracle after miracle, so many people have been blessed financially, physically healed, relationally healed, saved from drug addiction instantly. Hallelujah. From all kinds of immorality. Oh, hallelujah. A lifetime of immorality. But God, through Your Spirit and through Your Word, through the Spirit and through the truth. You said they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. We have to have both spirit and truth. It will knock down the devil's defenses every time. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for giving us 
this opportunity to have everything you ever dreamed for us, O oh Lord, by being broken before you, Jesus. Thank you for giving us, Lord, an understanding of what it means to be broken. I pray that every one of us, whether in this house of God or watching online, would say, Lord, break me. Break me. Break me more. Break me more. Break me more. Break me more, Lord, till nothing is left except Jesus. Hallelujah. More of you, Lord, less of me. More of you, less of me. Let's sing that song. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.